All right. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to the Forum on the Venture. Um, I trust your Sunday has been well. I trust you enjoyed a great time of worship um, in whatever form that you had it. Um, of course, this is Batel, the fiery-eyed owl. And on, um, on this, um, today, we're discussing the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa, Series 5, the ecosystem, with Rendani Manfiswa. I hope I <laughs> pronounced that well. Um, he happens to be um, a commissioner who has worked on the 4IR project, um, a very amazing um, economy, uh, um, economic ecosystem enthusiast, and it's so great to have him with us. So we'll jump right into the conversation. Hello, Mr. Rendani. How are you doing, sir? Can you hear me? Yes, you're, you're on mute. Okay, now it's fine. You had... Uh... Mute. I was slow on your side. I couldn't uh, unmute myself, but I can now. Can yes. you hear me? Yes, yes, we can. All right. No, no thank you very much. It's uh, really great uh, to be here and uh, looking forward uh, to the discussion. And yeah, it was nice uh, chatting earlier on to have a broader uh, understanding of, of where the work comes from. Um, and your vision of where you intend to take this work forward. So really excited uh, uh, to be here today. And thank right. you very much for bringing me forward. Awesome. Uh, work. Awesome, awesome. Um, you know, as I said, um, I, I'm really excited to have you around. Um, I've enjoyed the conversations we've had so far, and I hope um, others will be able to enjoy and relate with it um, on that level also. So welcome once again, everyone. Um, the participants of the Venture Matrix Leaders Program. You guys have been amazing. So great to have you guys here. So we are discussing the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa Series 7. Sorry, Series 5, the ecosystem. And um, we're trying to understand how ecosystems are designed, how they are created, and how and, and their function in defining the economic realities of nations. And just like we have it, we have four series of conversations of 15 minutes each where we start off with the trivia, trying to establish um, the area of interest of our invited stakeholder. Then we have the discourse where we try and understand the parameters of the conversation. Then we have the strategy session and then the forum where we focus on the one thing we need to do now. So jumping into the trivia, um, Mr. Rendani, right, what, do you think, what do you think are the untapped potentials and unexplored opportunities between the undergraduate community and the global value creation ecosystem, you know, as, as an African economy? Uh, I think the one area that, you know, that stays very much open uh, is really the types of research um, and the linkages with the, the startup community. Uh, and I think establishing the, the types of research that ensures that there is a uh, a good linkage with uh, the needs of the startup community. Uh, I think that's an area that, that currently still has a gap, um, especially around the space of um, having a greater deal or more emphasis around uh, your applied research, uh, where the, you know, the innovators, the inventors uh, can take that work to market. I think uh, a large part of our research uh, stays in the basic uh, space, and uh, you know they, there isn't a good linkage uh, to enable commercialization of that work, uh, and not only commercialization for uh, for profit, but commercialization for application uh, in various sectors of our society. I think that's a very important gap that if we could fill it. Uh, there could be some improvements. All right, amazing. Um, so what is your everyday job like and how does it relate to the conversation about the creation of economic um, ecosystems? Um, so interestingly, my, the, the broader part of my work uh, does not engage so much on ecosystem, but my, my doctoral study, of which I'm in the latter part of now, is what really engages the aspect of the ecosystem. Uh, so I'm pursuing a doctoral study on a part-time basis at the University of Johannesburg, 
uh, titled A Hybrid Ecosystem of Innovation for Emerging Economies, mm. where I'm trying to understand how South Africa could go about uh, the development of its national system of innovation uh, to achieve the desired intent uh, since it was adopted uh, into the policy mix uh, back in 1996. Mm. So I was really trying to understand how we can go about um, you know, enabling the, uh, the interactions around our innovation actors uh, and enabling the learnings uh, around the innovation actors uh, towards our broader uh, uh, objectives that we have as a country. But on a daily basis, my, I'm, I'm currently in the energy sector okay. uh, looking at both. But as I said, uh, that doesn't entail much the pursuit uh, that I'm on here on the doctoral study from a, a national development pers perspective. All right. Awesome. Awesome. That, so the last question um, for, for the trivia is, um, you know, normally I wanted to ask what is the biggest area of impact, but I think your first response has already, you know, tackled the first three questions I intended to ask, right? So um, as I said, we're trying to establish a human connection here. So one question I'd like to also know is, you know, if your everyday work, you know, in, 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 in layman terms, if that is what puts food on your table, why do you think this is a, why do you think this is an important conversation to be had now? Why are you invested in the conversation about building ecosystems in this time and 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 you know why are you invested in that conversation now? So, I mean, I mean, this really goes back to uh, to post independence for Africa. Uh, there has been a great deal of conversation about how we go about developing our economy. Um, a large part of it has been has been has been influenced by uh, the development economics organizations that have attempted to provide blueprint after blueprint. Uh, but as we all know, I mean things have not quite worked out for Africa, uh, and I think uh, there is an opportunity uh, or there is a need uh, to uh, to really understand. You know, you know, what are the determinants of, of innovation uh, at firm level, at national level? Uh, what are the determinants of industrialization? Everyone speaks about the need for Africa to industrialize. Yet what you see, uh, the trend in, the, in the, the developing economies is, is what is coined deindustrialization. Uh, other scholars are even saying there is premature deindustrialization that is taking place. And I think when you, you know, spend more time listening to the different, uh, uh, different scholars and policymakers, you start to appreciate that perhaps we, we do not quite understand, you know, you know, what are even the causes, you know, of economic growth from an African perspective with the diverse economies that we have. I think there is a need for a local understanding of how do we go about building these economies wow. uh, that can meet the demands of our society, not only today, but going into, into the future. And personally, I believe wow. that uh, innovation, you know, being the ability to transform uh, any, any kinds of input, be it information, be it raw material, be it the human capability uh, to to higher value our products and services. And I think innovation has, uh, you know, it's a good start. Of course, you know, innovation, is, it is not all of it, but it is a good start to start to understand how our economies can actually be built. And this is why I've gained great interest uh, in, this, in this space. And I'm gaining more and more con confidence uh, how we then go about, about that. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love that you mentioned, um, you know, the growth metric, right? Especially understanding it on a local level. And one conversation that we have on the venture metrics for the future of Africa is that the undergraduate community can unlock the prosperous destiny of Africa if we can fix our local economies. And you also spoke about um, linkages and you, talk, you, spoke, you spoke about linkages and fragmentations. Yeah. So, the major proposition is if we can create an enabling environment for economic value creation within these undergraduate um, economies, 
that can drastically affect our existing African economic value creation ecosystem. But we need to be able to think like an ecosystem right from the base. So how are ecosystems actually, or how can we design, how are ecosystems actually designed um, to, to function towards an outcome? What are the components of an, of an ecosystem that make it uh, what yeah, it is? So, I mean, fundamentally, an ecosystem, it's about interaction. Right? You need to make sure that there are, there, are, there are interactions amongst the various stakeholders. The reason why there is fragmentation and silo mentality, and this, these two words you know, dominate a number of policy re reviews in the continent. You, know, you largely hear our systems are fragmented or the silo mentality among government departments and other government agencies. But a large part of that is that the different actors are treated independently they are allocated budgets independently. They are measured independently. So there is no drive and incentive for the different actors to actually work together, right? And the reality of working together is that sometimes there are disagreements, sometimes there are conflicts. And if you don't have to do it, you're not gonna do it. Um, so I think the building block is are forcing interactions, using all the instruments and the parameters that we have to force interactions amongst the different stakeholders. And once we force the interactions, then we must start to measure the level of learning amongst the different interactions. It's very hard uh, to measure learning, uh, except through, I guess, the issue of certificates and, and all of that, which is not necessarily you know, the full truth from a learning perspective. So there's the need also to then understand what are the kind of things that we can measure, which gives us confidence that there is learning taking place amongst the different actors. And such a measurement must take place on a regular basis so that we are able to gain clarity on where the learning is going. Because and the reason why we want to make such measurement is that we want to be able to shape the ecosystem towards the direction that, set, that satisfies the kind of work that we are trying to do. Uh, so really, you know, two points, it's forcing interaction. So find all the different ways that we can force interaction and then start to check, you know, the level of learning so that, you know, our forcing of the interaction drives the kind of learning that we want to do. And then the, the, the other aspect is the diversity of the different actors. Because you, you want that coalition of different knowledge areas, you know, that, that, that can create an opportunity for divergent thinking and, and looking at problems from just different areas. So it's not enough to just have a group of universities together who think the same. There's a need to mix uh, uh, such an ecosystem with a diverse set of actors, you know, from the nonprofit, from the startup community, from government, industry, small and large, and we begin to make them work together uh, towards certain objectives, which will then be, be, define and shape as you move, uh, as you move forward. So I think those are the three uh, areas, interaction, diverse actors, and learning. If we can get those three mm -hmm. things right over a period, we'll start to have a certain direction and shape you know, that we can move. All right. Interesting, interesting things to note. Um, you know, as I said, um, we, had, we, had, we had an exciting conversation earlier, and I think I found out a way to bring those things that we exchanged into the conversation now, which is, um, let me ask it like this. Now, what is the, can you help us understand the current ecosystem that exists in Africa and how it is different from that in the global context? You know, what are the differences that we need to quickly understand and adapt to if we are going to position ourselves, you know, to, to negotiate the future? Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, one of the, uh, one of the elements is that you know, there is a 
there is a very you know small distance between uh, the different actors you know space mm. um, between for example if you go to places like silicon valley the role of the university you know as the developer of the knowledge you know for the startup community and now it's no longer just a startup community it's really you know a tech development space you know this role so i think that is number one in terms of this is what the university does and 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 this is you know what it is capacitated from the perspective of launching all these different startups if you really think about it you know companies like you know like yahoo were launched at stanford for example and i think they had almost a year of running that company under the university server right wow. if you had to try that in africa you probably going to be told no you need to move out yeah. <laughs> you know very <laughs> you know mm. i mean the, the founders of yahoo were doing their phd's at stanford in the 1990s if you look at i mean companies like facebook as well I and mean, it was launched at harvard and it built from there and then moved eventually to to the market right but but i think the key thing there is you know being number one is the clarity of role right to say what is the role of each stakeholder what is the role of university what is the role of industry what is the role of of government right so i think that is number one and number two is to reduce the gap between these different stakeholders and it's not just the physical gap it's also just to, i mean people can be very far physically but yet be closely linked and i think ensuring that there's a close uh uh interface between the different stakeholders that is very very important so that and and the reason why this part is important is that the different stakeholders are then able to interact they are then able to shape one another because and as i've indicated previously interactions is very important if you're not in conversation if there's no trade offs or or sharing of things that has to take place then then it becomes uh, very very difficult what we see in other places uh such as europe is the role of government like if, if you look at places like finland government plays a very key role in both knowledge and technology transfer you know they hold that by their hand to make sure that knowledge moves from the research institutes into the startup and ensuring that the startup have a uh, uh, intellectual property as part of their selling proposition so the role of government there is very clear so and i think from our side what we need to then ask ourselves is who then you know take some of this leading role as i've indicated in the us you tend to have a very open space where the university community interacts with the startup community right and they engage and they build the future in europe you tend to have a, a you know a space where government plays a key role in the enablement of the environment and they also set up a number of these you know meso organizations right so it's your government agencies your research councils which from the south african perspective there is quite a few of those and the question then is you know are they are they interacting and the answer is no they are there but they are very much static and not uh, uh and not in good interaction same thing that you see in places like china you know china the government plays a big role particularly in the larger project on the infrastructure then they leave other others to play around in the different spaces but they establish the groundwork right and then ensure that such can be able to take place and i think from the you know from the african perspective they they say need to understand you know who are the leading players in different places who needs to yeah. be in the lead and you know how do we make sure that those who are in the lead are capacitated mm. what we do see though um you know from the african perspective uh understanding you know from the you know public officials perspective the understanding of of science technology and innovation it's not 
at the level that it needs to be for the kind of conversation that needs mm -hmm. to take place. But I do think there's, uh, uh, you know, from a, a learning and development point of view, there is a need to capacitate the public sector so that there is what you call science, technology, and innovation diplomacy, so that they have an understanding of what these things are and how these things interact. Because, you know, when you talk about these different knowledge areas and technology areas, they don't work in isolation, right? It's a yeah. combination and, you know, there's this, you know, convergence and confluence of technologies. And, you know, someone in the energy sector needs to understand how the energy sector influences agriculture and how agriculture influences the environmental space and how that could be enabled by digital technologies. And I think that understanding, you know, it, it's not at the level where, where, where it needs to be. And then what, what that means is that when the government takes the lead, you have a, a situation where, you know, you know, those who are in the lead of that effort don't perhaps have, you know, the right kind of understanding to lead such uh, such effort forward. So I think these, you know, that element needs to be uh, and needs to be handled. And then the, the last part really is to recognize that we need to develop rather than adopt. Mm. We can go mm. out there and learn, right? But we must come back and be able, be able to say, how do we develop our own system? Taking lessons. So we can take policy lessons you know, what others have done, what has worked, what has not worked. When we actually bring it to our area, we must bring it for pilot purposes, not for implementation. And then during the pilot, then we get to understand, you know, what are the costs and effects and how must it be adapted for it to work in our context. And I think that element tends to lack, and part of it may be due to the funding of these activities, when that they are funded by the European Union, you know, funded by you know the UN and the IMF, which might perhaps have a hand in terms of you know what what gets to be done and how. And I think we need there there needs to be some you know some great deal of independence in how we implement some some of these things. All right. Amazing, 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 amazing things that we're, we're learning. So um, we also talked about the concept of how change is also driving this conversation. And for us to be able to, you know, as you said, we need to, to start thinking of how to develop and not just adapt. Who are the major stakeholders that, um, you know, and I, like, and I love this part of the conversation we had before, where we're telling me about, you know, the research, function of the top universities, the colleges of education, the technical colleges, um, and, and all of that. So how do we map out the stakeholders who are most influencing the current economic reality, especially as it relates to an ecosystem for economic value creation? Uh, so, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, knowledge has to be produced, right? Yes. And universities or higher education you know, has been established as, as the knowledge producer, right? But, you know, such a knowledge cannot only be limited to just publications uh, or of, of basic research outputs, right? So I think that's the first aspect, that along the hierarchy of higher education, yes, there has to be outputs you know, from a basic research perspective. But in, in the category of your universities of technologies, there has to be an aspect of, you know, the knowledge from an application pers perspective, right? Where there's a great deal around how to make things actually work. How do we translate the basic research output into things that can be applied and be deployed either through entrepreneurial activities or other innovation activities, right? And then at the technical colleges level, the knowledge output then is how do we invent these things? You know, how do we 
how do we go about the invention of, of, of those particular uh, uh, research output? So the university community, it's not, and the higher education community, it's not a single uh, entity. You know, it's got a diverse arrangement where it's got a hierarchy of outputs. And all of that, all of those outputs have to be prioritized or have to be given uh, uh, enough attention so that it is not just about the publication. I think what we see is that, you know, there's a, there's a great deal of investment on basic research, very little on application and experimentation. And I think the investment has to spread across uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the overall hierarchy. So the university community is very important, right? And next to the university community, it has to be the startup community, right? And the reason why the startup community is very important is that if we were to talk about it from the conceptualization of disruptive innovation, it is the startup community that is capable of a disruption because they are not inundated with other protocols and procedures of what has worked and what has not worked, right? So if we want to launch new industries, if we, launch, if we want to launch a new ecosystem, the startup community is very key, right? But of course, it can't just be the university pushing their knowledge to the startup community. It has to be a loop where the startup com community equally contributes to the priorities of the higher education sector, right? Where there's a, you know, there's a, there's a reinforcement around that particular loop, right? And then from that re re reinforcement between higher education and, and the startup community, the next thing really there is, you know, what are then the institutional arrangements to help drive this work forward? Because ultimately things must be protected, must be supported to be able to mature, right? And understanding what are the institutions to remove the barriers, to remove the bottlenecks. And that's where a government comes in. And it can come in directly from government. It can come in from the nonprofit community. It can come in from the government agencies and the research councils, right? But at the end of the day, what we're trying to drive is to move from knowledge production, knowledge application, and knowledge decimation. And what really counts is the decimation of that knowledge into the various sectors of society. And I think those three actors play a very big role in terms of that particular perspective. Of course, there's the linkage to existing industries. And the mm -hmm. existing industries play a key role, right, in terms of sustaining some of the things that are working. And the question is how yes. the research community support them, you know, to drive efficiency, innovation, you know, take out any efficiencies out of the system uh, and to meet the needs of society. So existing industries are key, right? And existing ecosystems are, are also equally key. You know, but I think it's balancing the two uh, uh, to ensure that, you know, we are, we, we are driving efficiency and sustaining innovation at the same time mm -hmm. driving the launching of disruptive innovation. Because, you know, if you don't drive the, the, the disruptive aspect of it, then you have this you know, sustaining space which eventually just dies, right? And this is why other economies have been overtaken. This is the same thing why the US was overtaken or almost overtaken by Japan in the 1980s. It's the same thing that China now has been able to do. You can't rest on your laurels, right? Mm. It comes from launching new things. And once you have your institutional arrangements, to launch out new things as you go, then you are continuously doing all of that work. And the different key stakeholders need to be on a mode of renewal. Once something is working, we must maximize. But while we're maximizing, other things must be launched and must be in parallel. Because things come and go. Yeah. I mean, many problems, years ago, the evolve. telephone was the yeah. thing. Mm. Exactly. So you continuously want to be engaging and figuring out uh, how to move things forward. And that has to be managed, you know, collectively. And sometimes it might be confusing 
to be managing the sustaining space where things are stable while you are literally launching a disruption on the other side. And we, we, we need to find a way on allocating the right role players uh, mm -hmm. to make sure that such an effort can be moved forward. Wow, amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for that um, exposition. It was, was a great learning experience. So let's, let's dive into the strategy session where it concerns the undergraduate community because um, with all of the stakeholders um, and their roles I've been able to properly highlight, the future of Africa would actually be dependent on the work of its young people. And you know, the, the grand focus for us here is about the undergraduate community that is actually a part of that tertiary institution, um, um, that tertiary institution system right now that's also creating the same dysfunctions in our economic outlook. So what can the undergraduate community do to create an enabling environment for value creation that directly impacts our ecosystem for, for, for value creation? How can we create our own e ecosystem or drive the existing ecosystem by creating our own enabling environments for value creation? So I think, I think for me, the first thing is, you know, remove the barriers that exist between the university community environment. I'm sorry, we, the, we lost you for a minute there, sir. Can you please repeat? I'm saying that the first thing is to remove the barrier, any form of barriers that exist between the university community and where it's located. Exactly. Hmm, yes. Hmm. For me, that is the first part. The university cannot exist as an island hmm. where it exhibits, you know, a life of, uh, you know, some places abroad while being disconnected from where it is. So I think, I think that's number one. So it does not make sense why outside of the university community, there will be, there will be startups that need uh, laboratory support to develop their technologies and stuff like that, and they do not have access to what is available in the university. It does not make sense why the community around the university might be struggling with accounting services, while the university is, is top in its commercial subjects offering. I think that barrier must be, uh, 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 must be removed. Um, and then once the barrier is, and, and the reason why the barrier must be taken off is to ensure that there is interactions amongst the university and the community. Right? So, so I think that is number one. And I think within the university itself, Right. There, there, are, there are barriers amongst the different faculties. Right. I did my undergrad at, at West University here in Johannesburg, South Africa. And I mean, from, from the Faculty of Engineering and Built Environment, I mean, the engineering do their own things and they see accounting on the other side, you see humanities on the other side. But yet, when you leave, when you get your certificate, right? You are working with various people the minute you enter the workplace. But yet, the university community itself, you know, it's not incentivizing and really pushing that there's interactions among its own uh, different faculties. And that's why I think we need to find a way, of course, as practical as possible, we need to find a way on that before you graduate or as part of your graduation from different faculties, you must have done some project or some work that interacts, that has meaningful interaction with others from the different uh, faculties. I think that's very important. And we must find ways on how to enable that because we talk about having a, a multidisciplinary world um, yet the, the university community is not exhibiting the multidisciplinary work from 
the curriculum perspective and the different activities. So we are limiting the learning and the interactions opportunities among our, uh, our undergraduates, right? So, so I think that, that's important. And I think offering them opportunities to interact with different stakeholders outside of the community, either you know, being, you know, being, being board members of, 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 of smaller businesses, being offering certain services, um, uh, and participating in, in, in various uh, 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 activities. I think that that element lacks, and I still find that they, they, the university seems to uh, to be an island, uh, you know, to the broader area. I think there has to be a concerted effort on figuring that out to say, but what are the different gaps? I mean, we have from where I come from, uh, the University of Venda, which is in an agricultural rich area, right? And yes, of course, they offer agriculture as one of the sort of the qualifications. But yet, the people from the area who are qualifying have to look for job opportunities far away from Limpopo. And why? Mm. We're in a place that is, you know, you know, that is rich in terms of fruits, in terms of vegetables, and yet we are not seeing the exploration and exploitation from the perspective of, um, uh, of agro-processing activities right, that we need to be able to, to upgrade. And I think part of that is the length of linkage with the community outside, and that needs to, to be fixed. Wow, amazing, amazing. Um, second thing we need to learn is that you know you talked about the different elements that drive um, the creation of ecosystems, especially now that we're dealing with the context of change. Even though you mentioned that you know we say now that the world is an interdisciplinary world, and yet we're still we're still designing our university systems to be unidisciplinary, um, unidisciplinary, right? So how can the undergraduate community facilitate the design and creation of ecosystems? that adapts to change or even create and lead the change? Um, so, I mean, I think the, you know, to be able to lead change is that, you know, you must be creating change, right? And yes. the things that allows us to create the change, you know, is the production of new knowledge. It's right at the edge mm. of the effort. But as I've indicated earlier on the, the challenge that we have faced so far is that the knowledge production seems to be largely on basic research level. Right? There isn't knowledge production in the variety of activities that the society needs. Uh, and I think they, mm. they said, I mean, one, one big example in the continent is corruption, right? <laughs> I'm yet mm. to read a research document that fundamentally tackles corruption as a body mm -hmm. of knowledge to understand, but why? Why is there corruption? Very easily, we just say, yeah, the government in Africa is corrupted. But the, the, the higher education community can't, can't say that. The higher education mm -hmm. community must go and study corruption, right? And then produce yeah. the that allow us to understand, you know, what are the determinants of corruption, under what conditions, and then begin to offer uh, our inputs on how we are able to set up our ecosystem in a manner that can deal with the aspect of corruption. And I think yeah. that's very, very important. All right. Um, mm. The other aspect as well, from a knowledge perspective, is that for years, you know, there, there's been hashtag Africa rising, Africa rising. <laughs> right? But yeah. one can tell you, so what does it take to, to develop the economy of Nigeria? Hmm. You know, what, what, what does it take in Nigeria? 
with the issues that Nigeria has, don't tell me Nigeria must first remove X, Y, Z. No, as it is now, you know, what does it mean? begin to put Nigeria on a path to, to development? You know, what does it take to take Kenya, you know, towards the path of development? I think the university community must study those things. It cannot just, you know, only study things that are still in the air. It must also come down to say, but how do we, you know, how do we make some of these things happen? So I think the university community must be on the edge of developing knowledge. But my argument here is that that knowledge cannot only be limited to just a, a general paper publication. Mm. Uh, I think they deal on how to translate that knowledge into other uh, other forms of this, of 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 distribution, whether it be newspapers, whether be it in you know in 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 other forms and that are easily accessible. I mean, it's one thing to be writing books that your own people can afford. <laughs> I mean, mm. it doesn't help. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> like writing for others to know about the continent, right? So, so, so I think that is, I think that is one thing. And then the second thing is how to get involved in the different activities to apply that knowledge, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, I think service delivery is a challenge in the continent, right? Mm, yeah. We know that we want to deliver services, but the services are not being de delivered. Why? What are, what are the issues, you know? And how do we make sure that you know, knowledge is distributed in those areas and that where possible, the government is supported with the knowledge that it needs? Right, yeah, to be able to apply and test all these different. So, I think if the university com com community can move beyond just knowledge generation but begin to find a way on how to apply and decimate uh, this, uh, this knowledge into the different areas, um, I think that will make a very big, a very big difference. We, we cannot be you know, uh, investing in the university for knowledge production, and yet our government are paying, you know, large consultants uh, <laughs> money on knowledge that has been produced uh, in our university. Mm. Uh, I, think, I think that has to be, uh, to, to be sorted out, and the university community has to take a lead, you know, of being the the knowledge holder and distributor of that knowledge. Mm. Uh, otherwise, then it really doesn't make sense why we have uh, 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 a higher education. Because really, knowledge True. is you know, is the thing that moves things forward. But but knowledge has to be applied to count. And and part of the application is that uh, you know you know when you produce some of this knowledge, you know, at a very high level. It might make sense, you know, in the laboratory. Mm. You know, it might make sense in the classroom and, you know, you know, nice concepts. But when you start to put it on the ground, it might not be as it was, you know, when you thought about it. Yeah. And there's a need to understand why so that we further uh, ground that particular theory uh, for correct application. Mm. And the university community has to take ownership, yes. you know, of knowledge ought to be applied mm. uh, I, I think i think that's very important as well wow amazing amazing um th the last question for this strategy session is you talked about foreseen interactions right that the way we we we, we build vibrant ecosystems is by ensuring that there, 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 there is interaction learning and then the appreciation for diversity right so when we're able to identify these stakeholders that need to you know use these tools how do we facilitate you know from a strategic point of view how do we facilitate multi-stakeholder um, partnerships and relationships within um, within the undergraduate community and then the other stakeholders within this ecosystem to make sure that we have a vibrant ecosystem defining the economic outlook of africa so i think here we need to be very practical right mm -hmm. and 
and I, we need to be very, very practical pri and, you know, and be very smart about it. You know, uh, money is a very important thing. You know, finance, it's, a, it's an important part for different stakeholders to develop what they're doing. So I think a, uh, an allocation of funds that is only available when there is multi-sectoral interactions, it's, it's very important, right? So even the university itself, when it receives funding from, from government, I think, I think government you know, has a lever there to be able to say, um, part of this funding that I give you, it's only available if you are engaging with stakeholder X, Y, Z. And I think that's the only way that, that we're gonna force those interactions. And as I've indicated earlier on, uh, it's, it's not always nice to work with other people who have different perspectives. Right? So we, we are always going to choose the easy way out. Um, and, and, and that's why I think practically, one of the things that has to be done um, is to say this funding is only available if you work with X, Y, Z. And I mean, a, an example could be, you know, X amount of money is available if you work with another stakeholder. You know, 1.2x is available if you work with two, if you work with three, you know, but you make the money more and more and more when people work with more people or more stakeholders because you want this interaction, right? Because what you don't want now is universities in Africa, you know, enjoying only to work with uh, some international universities and you know, it becomes very difficult on how to bring that knowledge home and actually be able to utilize it. I think, yes, of course, there must be some international interactions, but it cannot be the only thing that the universities do, right? I think there's a need. There's a lot of memorandum of agreement being signed with global communities. You know, and I'm not always sure how you know, those memorandum of agreements are coming back uh, into the local area and make sure that there's knowledge and technology transfer. So I think that part is very important where we are then able to, uh, uh, to force a, a such, such interactions. And I think the other thing as well, you know, just looking at it globally, I think there's a need to understand, so, you know, what exactly is our unique contribution? Uh, to the global community. Uh, there's a lot of things that the rest of the world might want us to be, uh, and we must allow them to express uh, those things. But I think we must identify, you know, what is it that we, we want to do and where we see there's an advantage. I mean, it's one thing to say, uh, you know, you want to be the best in X, Y, Z, um, you know, but there isn't an opportunity to have have such an advantage. And we need to take cognizance of where the world is today and be able to say, where are the areas where we can still lead, right? And be, you know, a top, you know, a top player in that particular space. And what does it take to lead in such a, uh, uh, um, uh, in such a particular space? And part of it might involve you know, a bit of imitation in the beginning, you know, but there must be a very clear strategy that at time X, we're going to change and, you know, and localize uh, uh, a great deal of these activities. And the reason why that's important, right, what we need in our economy is technological and knowledge-intensive activities taking place. We need to reduce the outsourcing of our economic activities. It doesn't mean that we, we are going to eliminate the outsourcing. No, I mean, we are in a global society. We continue yeah. to borrow and share, right? But there's a great need to increase the intensity, you know, of our, uh, of our economic 
connectivity, both from a knowledge and a technological point of view. And the reason why that is important is that when activities are both knowledge and technological intensive, you are able to learn, you're able to bring new things because you are doing, you are dealing with complex matters. We mm. talk a lot about skills and lack of skills, but you can't expect people to just be doing one plus one and that tomorrow they will deal with some you know, hectic equation. Mm. If they are not dealing with complex matters as part of their daily life, if they're not solving mm. the complex problem. So there's a need to ensure that our activities are knowledge and technological intensive so that people can learn how to deal with, 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 with this kind of thing. Mm. Right. So I think, I think that part is, uh, is, is, uh, uh, is very important. And then it must be piloted and we must see how, uh, how all of those things actually, uh, actually work. And of course, solving the local problem problems and mm. recognizing as, and I mean, at the same time, you know, it, 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 you know, part of solving the local problem, there is nothing, you know, stopping, you know, a university in South Africa to say, you know, part of our research has identified a gap in Tanzania, mm. you know, and, you know, part of the work, you know, creates the collaboration and then goes solve that particular problem. I mean, you know, you know, a lot of the time in Africa, when we talk about export, right, it's largely from a, a, a raw material and precious metals point of view. But we, we also need to think about exports of knowledge and export of technologies as part of the activities. So yes, there must be solving of local problems, you know, but you know, part of the local problems means problems in Africa, you yes. know, uh, amongst our neighbors, mm-hmm. so that, that knowledge can be exported. And then we go then interact with our neighbors, you know, and then build and then move to the next one and to the next one. So I think uh, also the conversation of export has to be rethought that export is not only limited uh, to, uh, to, to, you know, to the commodities, you know. Um, I think even I know from a South African pers- perspective, I mean, there's a great deal of export of, uh, you know, the fresh produce, that go to various you know you know areas you know but in the future we must also be exporting the knowledge on how to upgrade uh, uh, this produce into higher value products mm. that is not happening and, and and that is a problem it means we are not learning and understanding the dynamics that are happening so when people start talking about the global value chains we are clueless <laughs> because we are not involved yeah. In the in the activities Activities, of, yeah. Of chains, yeah. So I think that's I think that I think that's important to uh, to grasp and also drive forward. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. This has been such an exposing and exciting conversation. Um, we've come to the final session of, of 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 the forum, and which is about what the forum. So, if there's any one thing that you think we need to invest, um, you know, as, as, as an African, as an African-focused um, um, ecosystem conversation, what do you think the, com- the undergraduate communities across uh, Africa need to focus on and invest their energy in to best exploit the change going on around us and, you know, the development of that vibrant ecosystem? So, I mean... I'm going to go back to where, uh, to where I started earlier on. Um, so there has to be a deliberate and active interaction within uh, the diverse you know, faculties in the university mm-hmm. and with the local community. Yeah. And that has to be fostered. Mm. Without interaction, there is no learning. If you and I were not interacting, Mm. we wouldn't be where we are now. Yes. Right. So there, there has to be that concerted effort where we really invest on saying how well are our engineering, commercial, and humanities communities interacting. Mm. And there's the reason why that interaction must take place, even from an innovation perspective. Right. 
So the Faculty of Engineering deals with technical feasibility. Can it work? Can we build it? Can it fly if we build it? About the technical specification, right? Mm. The Faculty of Commerce deals with economic viability. Can we afford it? When can we afford it? It's about viability. Is it viable? Do we have the means? Do we have the resources? You know, the engineers are not generally taught to deal with, uh, you know, how much it costs. Mm. First, establish whether it can work or not. Or not. Mm. Then it cost. Right. But the faculty of commerce says, is it viable? Mm. Do we have the means? Do we have the budget? If we don't have it now, when can we have it? You know, what are the instruments? You know, and this is where the policy space is very important. You know, your your central banks and your and your treasury to engage on what are you know, what are the boundaries. Mm. The faculty of humanities deals with desirability. Mm. It's desirable. What is the long-term consequence of such activity? Right? And even now, as we engage on different technologies, um, you know, X, Y, Z, uh, the question is, how do we then bring these three communities together? So as you can see, the three communities are taught different fundamentals, right? So they need to interact so that they understand what is you know, that a bridge is not just a bridge, you know? And then also, you know, when the commercial people are talking about budget, they also need to understand, but yes, we might have a budget, but the society desires it. Mm. So how do we make it happen? Mm. You know, there is a need for this three community to collide. And I think within the walls of higher education, we have to foster. I don't know how it needs to be made practical, but it needs to happen, right? Because if they are not interacting, the learning is limited to their friends, you know? Mm. And you don't want just people learning from engineers, learning from other engineers. You want engineers to also learn from the other areas. So I think that's important. And then in parallel to getting the interactions within the university, right, is the interaction with the local area, right? where you have vibrant ecosystems of different role players and stuff like that. I mean, just, I mean, I don't know how the university community is going to be like going into the future, things like accommodation um, and stuff like that. And, but I mean, if, you know, what, what gets eaten in that community? Where does it come from? You know, who's producing it? You can find that the university is buying things from so far away. But why is in that university establishing the right, you know, set of ecosystem that, you know, can produce the things that the university needs together? Also, you'll find that there is, you know, there are businesses who are, who are asking or searching for, for services so far away. Mm. But the there. And I think that that needs to be sorted. I'm not saying everything will be available right around you, but what is available around you must be utilized, right? And then, then we can have an understanding on what is not available there and where where such other things can be uh, uh, can be sourced. Uh, so I think there is a need of of those interactions. And instead of being you know, obsessed with input and output indicators, we need to be obsessed with interactions. If you can obsess long enough with interactions, the outcomes and the outputs will take care of themselves because the people are interacting. Like now, I'm interacting now with you. Now I want to go to Nigeria. <laughs> but the focus was not me going to Nigeria. But now that we are interacting, I'm excited. Hmm. 
So if we, we, when we get the interactions going, and the other thing about interactions is that when, when the different stakeholders interact, right, they then solve problems together, right? They learn new skills together, you know? And if we are to bring the aspect of locking, we lock them through the internet. So they, they depend on one another because they are working together. Now you realize I have to work with company X because company X, I've already done this work with you know, company XY. I mean, this is the reason why if, if you think about it from, like if you buy you know, an iPhone, right? There's certain things that you are locked to because you bought an iPhone. Mm. Because you are part of the iPhone or Apple ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. to say. so, so what you want to do even around the undergraduate, the higher education community, you want to force those interactions so that they solve problems together. So, so then tomorrow becomes very different because these people now have found a way to work together and they realize that to change, you know, means I must get somebody else. Like if you go and, you know, if you, if you go buy some industrial, you know, set of machinery, right? It comes with a, you know, a, uh, a dashboard of some sort, you know, it comes with a software, you know, like that's all you have to use. So they, they buy, they sell you a system, not just a component. You know, I just took my, my car into Ford the other day. I mean, once you buy a Ford, you are stuck with Ford to do the service at a Ford dealership. So you can't, mm. you know, if you go to another mm. one and there's a problem, they will tell you, ah, it's because you went to another dealership, you know. Mm. By getting the communities to interact, we force them. To work together and then tomorrow becomes a new world for all of them and i think wow. that's what needs to so that that has to be forced and i, I don't mean you know force as in force force but find the incentives <laughs> yeah the incentive systems need to change to facilitate this the incentive system needs to change to facilitate that i mean as i said earlier on right if the incentive is for publication Universities are going to give you publications. Publications. Also hmm. incentivize the production of innovation and entrepreneurial activities. The universities are also going to give you that. It hmm. also incentivize for inventions. The universities are also going to give inventions. So I think we must in, in, put the right incentive packages on the table and let the people do the work. Uh, that would be my my final submission on this conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Rendani. It has been such an exciting learning experience. Um, you know, I've been able to learn that, you know, especially on the exposure of, of, of stakeholders. I, mentioned, I remember one point we made that because the government has, has grown a little too big, because of the university systems have grown too big, they have become too slow to adapt to change. So the undergraduate community must make sure that they are interacting and interfacing from their different knowledge domains to solve okay. their local problems if we're going to have a, 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 a very um, impactful or if we're going to have any direct impact on the creation of a vibrant ecosystem for value creation. It has been such an uh, amazing learning experience. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us. Um, I, cannot, I cannot overly express how exciting it has been for me. I'm sure that um, those on, on the call are also very appreciative of your time. Yes, um, you know, as I said, uh, we, we discussed the grand, we, we discussed the whole plan, so we'll sure be interfacing with you more regularly um, on the progress of this. All right, no, thank you very much, and uh, all the best with the development of the work. Thank you. And yeah, I think uh, hopefully we'll see, see each other uh, in the new year. Um, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to arriving to, to Nigeria. Awesome. Uh, but, but this is very, very important work. Thank you. And I'm very much glad that you are not just thinking about it theoretically, 
that you, you have a sense of practice around it and uh, you know, let's get it to work and, and have those vibrant uh, uh, ecosystems in, around the different sectors of our society. Um, so thank you very much for your time. I'm really honored to have been, to have made a contribution <laughs> to your <laughs> important work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, sir. So do have a great um, evening in um, South Africa. I do, uh, we didn't even get to know what part of South Africa you, you're currently reaching out to us from. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Mpumalanga, uh, a, a town called Sekunda, okay. which is about 130 kilometers east of Johannesburg. Johannesburg is where Guartambo uh, Airport is, which okay. is the... Yeah, it's the it's, it's the it's our largest airport here. Awesome. Uh, so I'm so most people know about Johannesburg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, all, we we know about Johannesburg. Of Johannesburg, yeah. All right, awesome. So do have a great evening. Um, I cannot pronounce <laughs> what you just said. Mampiswana. <laughs> Mampiswana. Yeah, Mampiswana. Yes. Mampiswana. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, I meant, I meant, oh, that's your surname. I meant your, your, um, your location, where you are. Oh, Secunda. You have... Okay, Secunda. <laughs> Sounds like Wakanda. Secunda, okay. It okay. means second. means second. second. It, I think, is it in Spanish? I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, interesting. So have a great evening in Secunda. And um, yes, do have a great day. Okay, no, take care on your side. We'll chat uh, soon on WhatsApp then. Yes, definitely. Okay, cheers, bye. Yeah, cheers, bye.